This morning, we're going to be talking about giving. Yeah. And probably next Sunday as well, so just in case you need the the heads up. We're talking about giving uh, not only to your local church, but to the Lord's work in um, in mission and outreach organizations and mercy ministries that provide help for those in poverty, homelessness, and medical care needs and physical and other relational needs. So about giving to the Lord's work. I could say that the reason our topic is on giving is because uh, I've had a lot of demands for it. I could say that my email box is crammed full with you requesting me to preach on giving. But some of you may have a, this notion that your pastor needs to tell the truth. So for, in respect of you, I'm, I'm not going to say that. Some of you are wondering if in order to preach on giving, you need to have coiffed hair and a fancy suit. So fortunately or unfortunately, my blow dryer broke and my suit's in the cleaner, so not going to happen. When it comes to giving, particularly in the context of giving to a local church, there are are four ways to give. One way is no giving. You don't give. Another way is grudge giving. You give, but you're not happy about it. You never feel very good about it, but you feel at least you don't have to feel guilty about not giving at all. So grudge giving is another way. A third way to give is is uh, duty giving. You don't have a negative a- attitude about giving, but you um, you do it regularly. You don't, but you don't do it with joyful gratitude for God's grace. You do it, um, and you're not really thinking about God's using it. You just it's like paying your bill. Your giving is scarcely any different than paying your mortgage or rent. And the fourth way to give is grace giving, and that's what Paul talks about in Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses one to nine. So once again, in respect of God's word, would you stand? And we're going to read from that text. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you might, by his poverty, might become rich. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that by your grace you reached down to us and gave us Christ and his riches. We ask for your help with this challenging topic. Help me to make it clear and may I speak according to your word. 
by your spirit, help us to see how it applies to us and to be responsive to your generosity. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So in verse 1, we see Paul's writing to the church in Corinth to remind them that they had agreed to contribute to the relief of the poor saints in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. We saw that a few weeks ago, actually, in Romans 15. We, we saw that Paul was um, starting an offering for the, the poor saints in Jerusalem. He had given the Corinthians instructions in his earlier letter to start contributing to, to the Jerusalem Relief Fund. So it would be ready when he came so they wouldn't have to scramble for it. But they were slackers and had let their original commitment slip. So part of his effort to motivate them was to share with them about the grace that God has given to the churches of Macedonia. Now, just geographically speaking, Corinth is in Greece. And you all know where Greece is, other side of the world in Europe. And north of Greece is Macedonia, and the churches there were Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. So generally speaking, God's grace is his undeserved kindness that he freely gives to his people. But what does Paul mean by the grace of God given to Macedonia, to the churches of Macedonia? Well, we'll see that in verse 2, where he begins talking about that. The grace given to them was seen in their abundance of joy, in the midst of a severe test of affliction of their extreme poverty that overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Wow. Those words don't often go together. Abundance of joy, extreme poverty, severe affliction, and, that, and the poverty refers to deep rock-bottom poverty and wealth of generosity. Sometimes what people say is, I can't give now because I, I'm, I have to make a certain level of income. Or I've got to figure out all my problems. I've got to get my life stable before I can give. And that's not how the Macedonians gave. They were in the midst of deep trials, deep poverty, and they just gave gen- generously. So, And that was because of God's grace, totally because of God's grace. That's what Paul is giving them as the example of, of the Macedonians for that reason. In verse 3, He says they gave according to their means, that is, according to their income, according to their ability. They could have said, as much as we would like to help, you got to understand we're we're pretty poor, we're in hard times right now, Um, we're going to have to take a pass. We're having a hard time making in meat, I'm sure you understand. But remarkably, they gave according to their means, which what they were able to give. But not only did they give according to their means, he says that some of them at least, or maybe most of them, um, many of them gave even beyond their means. What does giving beyond your means mean? It means they gave up something of their normal living expenses to to give. Uh, Giving beyond your means, literally giving beyond your ability, means that you give to the point of significant sacrifice. You forego a legitimate want to supply a legitimate need. I don't know specifically what that meant for the Macedonians to give beyond their means, but they gave way out of their comfort zone. They really felt it. They felt the sting of it. And so the question I have for me and for we, for us, proper pronoun there, 
is do we only give within our comfort zone? Do we only give what we wouldn't even notice it one way or the other? What we can give without even noticing, hardly. And what's all the more amazing about the Macedonians is that they gave this way out of their own accord. They gave voluntarily. They gave of their own choice. They weren't manipulated. They weren't harassed. They weren't pressured to give so generously. Just the opposite, as we see in verse 4. In verse 4, you might think that the Macedonians felt pressured to give so much by Paul. Like, hey, this is the apostle. we we got to be good. we we got to show up good in Christianity today. we got to make a good uh, appearance. And Paul said no. In reality, when they heard the need, they begged the apostle and his team to give. They begged, they begged, can we please give to this cause? They begged him earnestly. They urgently insisted and pleaded for the favor or literally the grace of participating in, the, in this relief or ministry to the saints. So the question I have for me and for us is do I look for opportunities to give or do I just give to my own normal little circle of things that I give to and, and nothing else? Do I respond to the needs? Do I beg to give? Am I eager to give? And in verse 5, Paul, Paul said, And this not as we expected. What was not as Paul expected? Well, that they gave so generously. It was surprising enough that they gave according to their means because they were so poor, they could have just opted out. They could have hey, we got a good excuse. I got a note that says I don't have to give. But they gave beyond their means as well, so they they gave very generously. What accounts for that? Well, Paul says what accounts for it is they had given themselves first to the Lord. This is the indispensable priority in whatever we do for the Lord, including our giving. God doesn't want us to give out of force of habit or just to get a tax deduction or um, to just feel good about being good people who do good by giving. He wants us to give ourselves first to him. That is to be the heart of all that we do for God, all that we give to him. What does it mean to give ourselves to the Lord first? Well, it means to acknowledge and embrace that He is Lord. That He is Lord. That we are not our own. That we belong to Him. That all that we are and all that we have comes from Him. And so all that we have is His. It means we trust Him as our Lord. We trust that He is good and that all that he requires of us is good. We see ourselves as stewards, as managers of what he has entrusted to us. And that's really the key. Can God trust us with the money that he has entrusted to us? Can he trust us? Can he trust us to pursue his priorities with what we do with our money? Therefore, how we live is a reflection of to what extent we have given ourselves to the Lord. And within that, how we give is an expression of how, 
have we entrusted ourselves to the Lord? We are like children who buy their mom or dad a present with the money that came from us in the first place. We delight and are pleased when our kids get us a gift, when they express their love by buying something that we gave them the money for. But all that they have came from us, so they are giving to us out of what we give to them in the first place. That's what our giving is to the Lord. Some people are like squatters. They uh, just they break into a, a house owned by someone else and act like it's they're the owners. We hold on to what God has given us as if we are the owners. William Booth was asked to explain how he was able to do such a great work in founding the Salvation Army. He said, because Jesus Christ has all of me. Jesus Christ has all of me. So does God, does Christ have all of us? Or do we say, hey, I'll give you this piece, God, and when I say, you can have some more. Beyond that, Paul says they not only gave themselves first to the Lord, but they also gave themselves by the will of God to us. They gave themselves to Paul and his apostolic team. In giving themselves to the Lord, they didn't just stay in their own little huddle and and presume that they would just follow their own private agenda. Rather, they devoted themselves to Paul and his team as those whose ministry they could trust. In today's context, believers devote themselves to local churches, as well as connecting with other Christian mission and mercy organizations. Paul says this is God's will. And in giving ourselves to him, to God, we give ourselves to others. Giving ourselves to the Lord inevitably involves giving ourselves to his people, to his church, for carrying out Christ's mission of making disciples of all nations and meeting practical needs of those who are suffering and otherwise disadvantaged. And what Paul says in verse 6 is, he says, Accordingly, because of the unexpected generosity of the Macedonians, they urged Titus, who had initiated the collection in Corinth, to return to facilitate the completion of the collection. Paul says, he emphasizes this participation is voluntary, as he calls it an act of grace. So their giving is to be motivated by grace and to show grace. At the same time, they had promised to give to the relief effort. So you're free to give, but you actually promise you're going to give. So I need to remind you of that. In fact, in, in chapter 9, um, Paul, we read that Paul had boasted to the Macedonians that, that the Corinthians had been ready for the past year to give. So Paul's saying, hey, I boasted that you were going to make this offering because you said you were going to. And so he said to them in, in, in 9 verse 5, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction, not as a grudging obligation. So Paul is being careful to, in reminding them and preparing them to give uh, not out of guilt, but by grace, by giving them this reminder and il- illustration of the Macedonian giving. In verse 7, Paul says, But as you excel in everything, 
The word excel is the same word translated abundance back in verse 2. So like the Macedonians' abundance of joy and, and that the, the Macedonians overflowed in wealth of generosity. So it's the same word, excel, overflow, abundance. He's saying that just as you overflow in everything, you, you're highly gifted people. You, you, you excel in faith, speech, knowledge, in all earnestness, and, and our love for you is, is overflowing as well. You see that you excel or overflow in this act of grace also. So don't only excel in gifts that benefit you, excel in grace that benefits others. And for churches, don't only excel in gifts that benefit your church, but overflow your gifts toward others. So for Harvest, we want to continue to up, upgrade our, our giving to the community and among the nations. The grace of God is both given to us by God, and it actively overflows from us as we serve and give to others. Paul says in verse 8, I say this not as a command. He says he doesn't have a specific command from Christ that they must give to this relief collection. He isn't laying an apostolic command on them. Instead, he seeks to prove their love is genuine. He's doing this by describing to them how the grace of God given to the Macedonians produced an, an earnestness in giving even beyond their means. The purpose was not to guilt them into giving. Maybe some of us just love to, to be guilt-driven in, in our giving, but it's not the ideal way. Um, but his purpose was to stir their, their hearts with this example of the overflowing grace of God and how it resulted in a wealth of generosity. The ministry, ministry of the body of Christ to one another is to stir up one another to love and good deeds. That's what we, we need that a lot from one another, constantly need it. It's our job to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Paul believed that the Corinthians' love was genuine. They just needed help in activating it. So we've all had the experience of having good intentions, whether in giving or to do something for someone or to engage in a ministry or to do uh, some act of service. And then a, a day goes by, a week goes by, a month goes by, a year goes by, and we still haven't done it. That's, we've all had that experience. And we've needed the example or exhortation of others to re-energize practically living out our love through the grace of God. In verse 9, Paul explains the ultimate motivation for voluntary giving, for grace giving, rather than commanded giving. He says, It is because we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, how was he rich? He had always existed as the Son of God. in perfect loving fellowship with Father and Holy Spirit. He lived in infinite joy and infinite glory with all the privileges of being God. So he was pretty wealthy, wealthier than Bill Gates. Yet for our sake, he became poor. Why did he become poor? Not because God's riches ran out, 
not because the heavenly economy crashed, but by his voluntary choice, by grace, he became poor for our sake. How did he become poor? By taking on a human nature and being born to a poor family in a little town of Bethlehem, laid in an animal's feeding trough, by experiencing the sufferings of common to humanity, by putting up with foolish friends and evil enemies, by dying like an enemy of the state, by the worst form of shameful form of capital punishment, crucifixion, by becoming sin for us. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you probably heard the acronym GRACE, G-R-A-C-E, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. He took on the poverty of our sin. We became rich in his righteousness. We're loaded now. There's no greater example of, of grace giving since we are made rich by Christ's grace. The appropriate response is generosity to others. Is it risky to say that giving is, is by grace and not by command? Is it risky because some will take advantage of it and say, hey, if giving is by grace, I'm free. I, I, can, I, I don't need to give. Well, it's, it's kind of like it's risky to say that we're saved by grace. As Paul said back in Romans chapter 6, in, if we say that we're saved by grace, shall we sin that grace may abound? And the way he answered that question was, do you not know that we who have been freed from sin, we have been freed from sin by grace for righteous obedience? That's why we've been set free by grace, not so that sin may abound. So in saying that giving is by grace, we could say, shall we not give or give very little because our giving is to be motivated by grace, not by command? And the same answer is grace frees us and empowers us to give generously, even beyond our ability at times. So how do we know how much we should give? That's a question you're all just dying to know. Some of you are wondering why I haven't mentioned the T word too much. Tithe. What, what is tithe anyway? Tithe just means a tenth. In the Old Testament, Israel was required to pay a tithe or a tenth of, of their income. Mostly it was livestock and crops, not stocks and bonds. Actually, they, they paid two tithes every, uh, every year. They paid two tithes, two tenths, and another tithe every three years. So this was for the support of the priests and the Levites, for the poor and the widows and orphans, for the foreigners, and for a yearly festival. So is 10% or 23% we should give? Uh, I'll answer that next week. You're off the hook for now. 
What Paul says a few verses down in verse 12 of chapter 8 is, For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So we should be ready. We should be in, in attitude, ready, and intentional and purposeful about what we give. We should have a plan. We should know. It's kind of hard to know what to give when you don't know what you got. So people who are generous givers are, are good with budgets and good planners. And they're responsible. They're not just like swinging back and forth from no giving to just irresponsible giving, moved about by their emotions. God doesn't require us to go into poverty to be generous. We should give in proportion to what we have. He doesn't want us to be careless and give based on pure emotion, as I said, but he does want us to be generous according to what we have. So for some, giving $100 to whether it's to the church or to a mission organization is a huge sacrifice. For others, a thousand bucks is like pocket change. Randy Alcorn, who's written a lot on, on giving, he's, um, he's, he works at uh, Good Shepherd Church over in, in Boring. There, he says there are many roadblocks to giving, unbelief, insecurity, pride, idolatry, desire for power and control. The raging current of our culture and often our churches makes it hard to swim upstream. It's considered normal to keep far more than we give. He he also says, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to our giving is this, the illusion that earth, as it is now, is our home. Where we choose to store our treasures depends largely on where we think our home is. Those who think of earth as their real home will naturally want to pile up treasures here. Those who think of heaven as their real home will naturally want to pile up treasures there. It all comes down to the, to the question, where's your home? To the Christian, God gives a clear answer. The only question is whether we'll live as it, that answer is true. So that's what he says. Um, is heaven your home by grace? You could never have afforded the housing price for heaven. But because Christ has generously, graciously, freely paid the cost for you, your home is waiting for you by grace. Romans 11, verses 35 and 36, Paul said this, Who has given a gift to him, to God, that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Who has given a gift to God that, that he owes us for? Hey, God, I helped you out. You owe me. Paul says, no, that's not how it works. Because from him and through him and to him are all things. I'm the kid who's giving his dad a present with the money that he already gave me. So I've got questions. Have I received the grace of the Lord Jesus? Have I been made rich through his poverty? By faith, have I trusted in Jesus? to grant me his riches, to save me by his poverty? Have I given myself 
all that I am to the Lord and all that I have to the Lord? Have I just given myself all out to God? And have I given myself to his people, to his church? Am I giving joyfully, generously, according to my means? And am I giving, am I open to giving beyond my means? Am I open to giving out of my, my comfort zone? Do I eagerly seek opportunities to give? And am I excelling? Am I overflowing in grace giving? Recognizing that all I have is Christ. Belongs to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we need to understand more of what Christ is for us, about the the greatness of the riches he's granted to us in him, the death of the poverty he underwent for us. We need to have that strong conviction that you have given us good gifts, but all that we have is gifted to us by you. And you give us the privilege of investing in your work Father, I I do pray that we would be eager to do that and you would grant us here at Harvest the wisdom and grace to be good stewards of what we have as a church and as individuals that make up the church. I pray, Father, you would multiply these gifts for the glory of your name. I pray, Father, it results in the gospel going broader and wider and deeper and more robustly in our community and among the nations. I thank you, Father, that even though we often fail and we're often clingers on to what you've given to us as if it belongs to us, uh, that sometimes we, we actually do give motivated by your grace. Help us, Father, to be increasingly motivated by your grace. Of course, Father, we recognize that we're not just about giving money. We give our time, we give our service, we give our cap- capabilities to you. All that we have belongs to you. Our, our lives are on loan from you, Father, for, for accomplishing your purposes in this world. But I pray your, your grace would abound to us. You've given it to us in one sense, but in another sense we, we pray, Father, that by your Spirit we would just know that more and more and be more and more eager to just be very generous with not just our money, but all that we are for your sake. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.